Spags, I really, really want to move on from week 14, but I, I guess we're going to talk about it some more. Yeah, I mean, I could tell whenever you have the dumpster thumbnail up on the site, it means <laughs> things are not going the best. But unfortunately, we'll have to revisit everything, including the Hunter Renfro week of week 14. We're also going to welcome some new people to the family. We're going to do week 15 waiver wires for whoever out there needs them. And we are going to talk a little MNF. We got Cardinals, Rams tonight, as well as maybe some succession talk. So, Pete, let's hit that intro. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Splash Play, the fantasy football podcast for every game under the sun. And once again, I am Chris Spaggs, joined by your friend and mine, Peter Overzet. And Pete, you already summed it up, I think, pretty well up top. How'd your week go? No, nah, man, I'm uh, I'm in rough shape. I uh, yeah, yesterday was brutal for DFS. Uh, I started my Monday morning stream uh, on mute, so I did two minutes on mute until I saw the chat telling me they couldn't hear me. Then I just recorded my first look show. And I just skipped over wide receivers. I was all the way at the end. I realized I didn't even do wide receivers. So I had to, I had to circle back to that. I got my booster shot uh, about two hours ago. And I'm just starting to feel the slightest headache. Come on. And yeah, just, just eating the shit today, Spags. I actually have my booster shot on Wednesday and I'm doing the double booster plus flu vaccine, which I don't normally do, but apparently you have to do it for the pregnant people around you. If you are uh, in my situation here of having a pregnant woman who's very concerned about the flu wreaking havoc in our home. So by our Thursday show, I presume I am going to be dead in the fucking water. I just, uh, all I heard was me saying, uh, I will take a, a booster and you saying, uh, I want to leverage Pete's pick and get a double booster. <laughs> yeah, the, the double things. But you know what? The good news, Pete, my Wi-Fi going to be such high quality after that from all the nano chips being put in me by the government. That's what we all know. That's right. I can I I need some of those nano chips in uh, Karain's, uh Wi-Fi. He's been he's been struggling on the shows I've been doing with him recently. Yeah, so make sure you're getting your boosters out there, too, if you want to have better internet quality for your live streams. And also make sure you're going to footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe. On Friday, we had Football Outsiders spokesman Nick Ercolano on the show, plugging FO at every turn, talking about how great it was. No, Nick did a great job here, but was an FO spokesman last summer, so I will use all the leeway we can to sell some subs here down the home stretch. 99 cents a week over at footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe. And uh, it was a fun show on Friday, if you missed that one as well, the comparing fantasy players to Margaritas Pete. I think the most plus EV thing we all did collectively with our pick so heading into the weekend that was very fun and uh i posted on twitter nick had sent me a dm of one of the comments from the video because he posted it on his channel as well and someone had the absolute brilliant uh comment that he would be the yard long margarita with the beer upside down poured into it demonstrating his wide receiver and cornerback eligibility margarita and beer eligibility so uh that guy had the tag on that segment but yeah a lot of fun with nick on friday do you know what the the official legal name of that type of margarita is no a bulldog margarita i don't know why i just know that's a thing that's in my head somewhere for some reason okay all right i have i've literally never heard that but next time uh i find myself i will flex uh my knowledge of that term that honestly could be one of those regional things too where it's like if you go in somewhere and you're like yeah pop and people call it soda there so i don't know but your mileage may vary just remember that was the the thing that i remember growing up in new york of course people people love margaritas in new york the home of the margarita that's what we call it for in new york city <laughs> it's, it's a bit too early though Pete. we gotta do our week 14 recap first of all make sure you hit that like button and then, of course subscribe to Pete's channel and the splash play channel pete dangerously close to 10,000 subs i was hoping you were going to get there over the weekend with the lulls live stream that i saw a little bit of and um some some bend the better fallout as well that i was seeing on the deposit kingdom discord pete and i'm sure that was a fun time for you but the bend the better drama i don't know if it's fun anymore or if we should like start being actually a little bit concerned yeah, I agree. It's not fun anymore. Uh, Brian Middleman, uh, the 5K, that Empire Maker free-rolled him on his NFL parlay that hit yesterday, and then uh, it seemed like it was going to blow up. Ben uh, wrote legitimately a suicidal tweet, which was massively concerning. Brian got him the money. Uh, but yeah, I think I'm done giving Ben attention. Um, it's It's not fun anymore when you take it to that territory. 
it's weird when you go through and you're digging through stuff. And I saw our pal Justin Freeman, of course, doing a lot of great things over at Run the Sims, asking, I was away from keyboard a week and could somebody catch me up? And there was some one reply distillation that was really that was really interesting to see. But uh, I'm sure the Lulz show will keep up the drama there, or not keep up the drama, but keep the tabs on it. And, and Brian, credit to, uh, to Brick, of course, who's always doing the show with Pete and one of the top DFS players, top betters in the world for, for being a good guy, even uh, at the sake of his own content brand. I feel like that's, that's Brick for you. That Brick is legitimately, you know, better than i do pete he's one of the good guys out there he's one of the good guys and uh yeah i guess it really puts it in perspective when uh i say i'm down bad this morning i could have had my 5k free roll payment come in just a little later than i wanted it to and then i would have really been down let's talk week 14 recap and sunday night football of course where we usually start here aaron Rodgers, a big day there four touchdowns 341 yards also big wide receiver days 10 for 121 on 13 targets along with two touchdowns for Devontae adams alan lazard also six for 75 on seven targets with a touchdown and aj Dillon, an interesting tweet that i saw today that i'm not going to source because it's been a busy morning uh, but aj Dillon out touching aaron jones in the second half Pete Jones, 21.5 fantasy points, despite just eight touches in that game. And I feel like the Packers, to me, remained as tough to unpack as ever. You could probably, no pun intended, but a pretty good pun. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, you know what the, the results are going to be there for him week after week. He's going to take some of those goal line carries away, turn them into touchdown passes. Devontae Adams, it feels like he's been a little more hit and miss, but definitely a little more concentrated target share since Robert Tanya's been out. But how do you approach the Packers moving forward? Because they're clearly very live for maybe even a top seed, but certainly live for a good playoff spot. Seem like they're going to have to play out the string the rest of the year. And it just seems like there's a lot to, to figure out with them week to week in terms of having a ceiling there, but really a questionable floor. Yeah. Divisional games are always so weird because you could see, you know, a Bears Packers game late in the season being like 14 10 or just going absolutely bonkers like that one did. Uh, I had gotten off a joke on Twitter, uh, having not been watching the Packers game. I was trying to get off a succession Packers backfield joke, not realizing when I went and actually looked at the carries that Aaron Jones only had five carries, was barely involved, but just was hyper efficient on his touches. Um, yeah, it does seem like, uh, uh, you know, the flippening might be occurring as far as them preferring uh, A.J. Dillon. And they they do seem to like him later in the year, too. When it gets colder out there at Lambeau, I always have in my head that game last year against the Titans. I believe it was in week 16 um, where A.J. Dillon just kind of came out of nowhere after not getting used that much to have a 20 plus carry game. So maybe we're getting into that territory again where they're um, either being game and situation specific or they just kind of like what. AJ Dillon gives them more now. So yeah, it's an interesting backfield. It's kind of like the Broncos backfield uh, in that the split though is just a little bit different with Aaron Jones, more, more passing and AJ Dillon uh, on the ground. But uh, yeah, I think they're still both viable starters though each week. Yeah, the unattributed ex, uh, thing that I was seeing on Twitter this morning was people talking about how AJ Dillon's the back salting games out and how he's getting the carries when um, they are sort of trying to you know kill clock, maybe keep possession of the ball a little bit more. But the game was competitive in the second half enough where I'm not sure that theory bears out, but could be something to inform your process out there if you're trying to make some GPP stands. Maybe you get 5% AJ Dillon if there's a week where Aaron Jones' ownership goes up. I think that's sort of the GPP approach I would take. Uh, speaking of GPP approach, actually, let, let's save that one. But Tampa Bay, big game yesterday. They go 33. 27 over the Bills. Josh Allen's best fantasy game of the year puts up 42 fantasy points, 308 yards passing, 109 rushing yards. I think both uh, the latter is a peak for the year for sure, along with a touchdown for him. Solid days across the board, Pete, for the Bucks. But I feel like the Josh Allen thing is the part that I would note here, where the Bills season is kind of falling apart at the seams, and I feel like you're going to see Josh Allen. It's certainly a matchup against Brady, the one that uh, talked about a lot earlier in the year as being a potential Super Bowl preview. But I feel like this is just what you get from Josh Allen on the stretch. He's going to do anything he can to win these games, and maybe uh, I guess prevent the Bills from not making the playoffs, which is a thing that seemed crazy after the first month of the year. Are there any takeaways from you here besides the fact that the Bucks are very good, but also maybe lack the ceilings because they have so many good guys there? Yeah, I mean, the very, very rough week uh, for the Bills coming off of Monday Night Football. And then that their their schedule is pretty nice down the stretch, other than one game where they're on the road at New England, which that will be a very fun game the day after Christmas. Uh, but they get the Panthers, the Falcons, and the Jets. So uh, I can see them finishing the season strong. But yeah, the Josh Allen stuff is concerning. I think I saw it was a mild case of turf toe. He was in a walking boot after the game. Emmanuel Sanders also left the game with a knee injury. Uh, we've seen Gabriel Davis kind of start to come on and almost surpass Emmanuel Sanders a bit in that offense. He had eight targets yesterday. So yeah, some stuff to monitor. Um, I still think 
they'll be fine, uh, assuming Josh Allen is fine. Uh, if they don't have Josh Allen, then they're dust. Uh, but yeah, I think, I mean, that's a really tough playing New England who uh, looks awesome right now in the Bucks, who are like, you know, those are two of the top three teams for Super Bowl odds right now. So that's just a tough scheduling luck for them. I think they're going to be all right. Swaggy P saying Josh will be fine. I tend to think he's going to push his way through it, but at a certain point, I guess if the if the playoff win expectancy does drop a little bit, but you do see them pull the plug and go uh, go for some early Mitch Trubisky era. But I think the Bills are live enough here where Josh will probably try to play through it, even if he's not going to be fine. And I'm with you on your overall takes there too. It feels like the Bills. Um, I, our pal Arif Hassan over at the Athletic tweeted me because ever since we talked about Gabriel Davis and me calling him shit on the show we did with Arif, apparently he's been good every week, Pete. And uh, I don't often give the kiss of death people and have it blow up in my face quite like this but i'll take credit i'm glad great gabriel davis is doing well that was just the motivation he needed was to get called out on splash play i feel like we fired off so many takes on splash play this year that i didn't even remember you calling gabriel davis shit and lord knows i would love to remember a bad take like that to throw back in your face so i'm glad a reef remembered <laughs> Yeah, a reef, a reef never forgets that uh, my my important part of Gabriel Davis's growth is a man and as a football player. <laughs> That's what the takeaway I'm going to take from there. Harner Renfro, big week, Pete. And this is one of the things with fantasy we talked about. And actually, we should talk about the other side of the equation that did not work out for my DFS lineups. But I had a ton of Harner Renfro. He ends up putting up 13 catches for 117 yards and a touchdown on 14 targets. Positive game script. Kansas City on their side. Probably the most useless 48-9 win you can have from a fantasy perspective. Nobody cracks 20 fantasy points besides Patrick Mahomes in that spot, Pete. But I feel like the Renfro thing is the one that we talk about a lot where you do have no Kenyon Drake in the mix. You have no Darren Waller in the mix. Obviously, Henry Ruggs, uh, we've talked about previously, not available and probably won't be available maybe ever again in the NFL. But the Raiders just had to throw somewhere. Hunter Renfro has been a guy getting that target per route numbers all year long, and he continues to have the outlier days since we've seen Darren Waller go out. And I feel like this is just a lesson to take away, you know, positive game script, certainly a big part of it. But when you have a Hunter Renfro at that price tag, I was surprised to see him under 15% in the Millie maker and some of the tournaments I was in. It felt like the price was really there for a ceiling that people just seemed like they got away from. And I know Blender talked about just playing him in cash games, and not playing him in GPPs. And he's about as sharp as they come. Yeah, he, I, I didn't play him at all. I did run one Mahomes double stack that I brought back with Foster Moreau. I, I don't mind playing those kind of volume slot receivers when they're they're cheaper and or lower owned i just thought at 6100 and he was projecting for 20 plus percent ownership that that just seemed uh, a little steep for me and that's definitely on like you know hunter renfro don't get me wrong he's been very solid this year he has probably one of the best floors for wide receivers but this was by far the upper end of his you know range as far as ceiling here so i don't have too many regrets about it like i, I just paid a little bit up more to get Tyler Lockett in a lineup. Like those are generally the kind of the, the plays I'm going to make, but yeah, I can't deny that Hunter Redfro uh, without Darren Waller in the offense is, uh, is going to earn a lot of targets. Any reservations playing chiefs players. Now that the defense is rolling people talking about in the chat, uh, the chiefs are the second best defense in football in recent weeks. Pocket QB Lamar Jackson is the one saying that. So full credit to him, despite his tough ankle injury this week. Uh, but I do feel like the chiefs, uh, maybe they are going to be the team that steamrolls some, some, you know, opponents down the stretch in a way that does limit production. Josh Jacobs, a guy that I also thought had a decent outlay, didn't quite get there just because of the game script. But the Chiefs, too, like, I don't know how you really trust Taylor Kelsey at this point. They haven't had any real outlier games in a while, and I feel like you need to kind of expect the other team to pull their weight in order for those guys to get there. And I just know that I have that I have that face for the Chiefs schedule moving forward. Yeah, it, I mean, it used, it's crazy how much it's gone from uh, we all wish we had enough salary to run, you know, Mahomes, Kelsey, Hill double stacks every week to now where even if you did have the salary, you're not that excited to do it. Kelsey back-to-back -back games under 30 yards. Tyreek Hill uh, is still getting decent volume, but we just haven't seen the big plays you know the the over the top plays you know he basically has to take like a slant to the house now to get a big play because those deep shots just aren't happening at as high of a frequency and yeah the, the defense as uh i don't know if i would say second best but i mean they're they're good <laughs> they're they're one of the best defenses uh in football i'll agree with that generally and they are getting it done with the run game they're doing longer drives where they're able to salt the clock and uh yeah they're mixing in guys like Derek Gore and you know Darrell Williams is still seems to catch like a sick touchdown pass every week so yeah it is a it is a mess for fantasy right now and I until those price tags you know I think what was Kelsey 7400 I mean until those price tags really come down they're they're a tough click
And I guess you won't have any choice to play them this week because they are the Thursday night football showdown going against the Chargers. So let's talk about the schedule. And yeah, it's Mookie saying in the chat as well, that game's going to be pretty damn good. I mean, it's funny because that's one game where if it were on a main slate, then maybe you could get to Hill and Kelsey a little bit more. But on Thursday night football, uh, not any real edge there. And I guess we'll talk more about it on Thursday, Pete. But that one, uh, that could be one of your famous ride or die picks where the game goes to an over 65, over 69 point total. Yeah, uh, I I have high hopes for that one. Like I said, a, a divisional Thursday game, uh, I could see just going either way. A 14-10 game or like a 45-40 game. Hopefully we get the latter. Uh, interesting week this week, too, as far as I, I had just done the, uh, the first look show. We're obviously out of the bye weeks, but we have two Saturday night games. We also have um, Bucks Saints uh, off the main slate. And the highest over-under game right now, projected for the the week 15 main slate is a 47 and a half point over under the best games are rams seahawks and lions cardinals so this is a pretty gross main slate with four island games this week five yeah yeah, that's yeah. Uh, yeah, that's right. I forgot the Saturday night games are coming up on us now because that is, uh, I guess, a little bit earlier than usual relative to the previous 17 week schedule, but definitely going to be some interesting little slates. And I guess we'll have to figure out how to cover that on this show, too. But uh, one news item that could be important for the Sunday main slate, Lamar Jackson carted off this week with an ankle injury. Baltimore loses 24, 22, despite 270 passing yards and a touchdown from Tyler Huntley, who also puts up six rushes for 45 yards instead of a couple fumbles that were pretty costly as well. Lamar, Pete, I don't know if you caught up with the news a little bit more for the fan fantasy life newsletter i didn't see any updates but you like getting carted off with an ankle sprain maybe not the best for his hopes playing next week yeah that uh that didn't look good um i i we're gonna have to wait and see uh on him for that you never know if that how precautionary it is uh versus if he's actually gonna miss some time but yeah i'll, I'll definitely be keeping tabs on that one yeah, and Huntley, if you know, I think a, a play that you could certainly consider in season long this week, if you are desperate at QB and can be a guy that has some upside facing the Packers, who we just talked about, just putting up a lot of points against everybody. But maybe that'll be something that comes up in the waiver wire segment coming up a bit later in the show. Debo Samuel ended up playing Pete, and this is one that you were, I think, a little more keen on. I thought he would sit out. I just didn't see the reason to force him back in, but he does play. A weird game again where when Elijah Mitchell's out, he ends up being more of a running back. Debo does than a, a pass catcher. One target for 22 yards. Uh, does get eight rushes for 37 yards and a TD. But George Kittle, who I believe was in your low ball line, if I'm remembering correctly, 13 catches, 151 yards and a TD on 15 targets. Niners win 26-23 at Cincinnati. And Kittle's resurgence here, I think coming largely because of Debo being banged up and them just wanting to give him those, those carries. But it does seem like Kittle really hitting his stride down the stretch in a way that I'm ready for the bottom to fall out any week. I like George Kittle, but I just feel like if Debo's full go, I just don't think you see these results. Wow, I can't believe you're not taking your victory lap here on uh, low ball. Uh, I also took the 20-point uh, mm -hmm. penalty on Pollard, well, who didn't suit up. Did Mariota get snaps is the question I have. I know Myers yeah. did because he got targets. He did, yeah, because okay. I remember him coming in the game once. Um, but I do a very funny clip would be me being like, uh, I remember having my George Kittle dilemma where I was like, could he go for 40? Yes. Uh, could he also go for five? Certainly. I really hope it's five. Narrator, it was the 40. Um, yeah, pretty pretty nice. Uh, I mean, Davis Mills actually uh, hurt me there pretty bad too. Let's check out yours. Um you did uh, get the the Mariota. Mm -hmm. uh, McLaurin, I mean, you ran so pure on that, uh, him leaving with a concussion. I gave him the old Jamal Agnew treatment. Got, got Terry out of the yeah. game. Actually, really tough. That fall, I, you shouldn't even joke about it. He took a really nasty fall when yeah. he got the, the concussion play. Yeah, um, it does, you know, I feel like we should maybe think through the rules. And I say this as someone who has enjoyed the uh, Mariota thing. I wonder... I feel like the game now does come down to who, who gets, gets Marcus Mariota or Taysom Hill before he was actually playing. Exactly. Okay. So we might have to rethink that um, just to to level the playing field a bit. Yeah, I agree. And our guy Paul uh, was doing doing a great job with uh, as our chaotic Thursday show. We were desperately looking for a viewer to play lowball with us and not uh, not ruin the show's audio quality. And Paul <laughs> just played a quality lineup, played a solid lineup. I think he said he had some good ones that week too because he tagged us at a couple of tweets. But uh, not quite a lowball lineup, I would say. No, it, there was a lot of good value plays for this slate in here. Uh, Jam did some nice ceiling guys as well, uh, but we appreciate uh, Paul coming on. And he he did it flying blind. He was not mm -hmm. uh, in the spreadsheet, so shout out to Paul. 
Uh, other news from week 14, I feel like the Alvin Kamara, Taysom Hill big days are pretty interesting, showing that they can coexist for fantasy, which is one of my, my long-held theories. I remember Osmo saying once on one of our shows, and it always stuck with me, that mobile QBs do tend to eliminate some of those check-down plays that really can make uh, running backs day really important. But Kamara and Taysom Hill certainly would fit that criteria, uh, criteria normally, but Kamara goes 27 carries, 120 y- uh, rushing yards, and a TD. Also, four catches for 25 yards on five targets. So just getting that, that much work, to me, I think is a lot compared to what he's seen in the past in some of the games where Taysom started. Taysom himself runs 11 times for 73 yards, picks up two touchdowns, including some long runs there. Also passed for 175 yards. They didn't have to do much in this one, Pete, a 39 win over the Jets, but I just felt like it was reassuring to me as a guy who really doesn't play Kamara very much when Taysom Hill's been the starting QB, and maybe there's some hope for the Saints offense down the stretch, but I don't know that it comes with stacking Taysom Hill, probably a, a naked Taysom and a naked Kamara, I think actually won some tournaments. Yeah, I did see a couple of those combos at the top of the leaderboards. I I also want to just be a little careful of like being like the Saints are back um, because the Jets have just been a get right spot for so many teams this year. We saw Stefan Diggs's best game was against the Jets. They uh they patch over a lot of uh you know the the bad stuff going on. So I know Karain. I read his article this weekend on NBC Sports Edge talking about Kamara and how he has you know, been less efficient and less explosive uh, this year. And he was basically saying, if he can't get it done against the Jets, then we really have to worry. But this matchup is so good that he should be able to get there on volume, which is exactly what happened. So yeah, I would still be excited if I was in, you know, season long playoffs, getting to roll uh, Kamara. And I think Taysom just, you know, I don't know how long he can just keep ripping off, you know, 40 yard touchdown runs, but just the fact that they continue to give him so many designed runs is, uh, is pretty bullish for his fantasy value. Yeah, from a fantasy cruncher perspective, I still don't mind giving a boost to the receivers with Taysom, but I think I'm not going to force stacks with him because I did have a couple lineups where he was stacked with a with a Johnson or a Callaway or somebody like that, and they just they were terrible. And I mean, you know, with good reason. Um, if you're going to have that much production going Kamara and Taysom's Hill, Taysom Hill's way on the ground, but I think they're a team that speed don't force the stack, even a one man stack, if you are going to play Taysom, because clearly great fantasy upside, but not enough that correlates to other plays like normally a QB would have to. That'd uh, be valuable in a tournament. And the last news item for me, we'll see if Pete has any others, whether they. They were in the Fantasy Life newsletter or elsewhere, but Melvin Gordon, 26 fantasy points, 24 carries, 111 yards, and two touchdowns, while Javante Williams, the chalk play that all you chads out there are on, 21 fantasy points, 15 carries for 73 yards, and a touchdown. Does also get a little bit of passing work, but not enough to beat the great Melvin Gordon, Pete, 38-10 win over Detroit. And I won't, I won't use this as a Melvin Gordon pedestal moment, him coming off of an injury. He also got hurt in that game, so that gave me uh, some amount of sweats, too. Just more the GPP play, where these guys were both in a 50-50 split. They have been all year. Ended up seeing a little more touches going Gordon's way in this particular spot. But I just feel like that's the classic GPP move, where if you have Javante Williams projected around 20% ownership, I think the numbers came down a little bit on most of the sites before lock. Just play Melvin Gordon. Even if you're playing Melvin Gordon to 10%, you'd have gotten leverage on the field and had the better play. And I think that to me is the main thing, even though, yes, I, I feel like some pats on the back for Melvin Gordon just doing something. You know what? I even I got on a bunch of Melvin Gordon because I was late swapping off of my bad teams and I had like a bunch of Jeff Wilson teams where I didn't want to eat that chalk. So I pivoted a bunch of them to Melvin Gordon and my lineups were so bad that even Melvin Gordon dropping like 30. Even Melvin uh, Gordon couldn't save you. The great. Hey, are you did you just start uh uh welcome to the family a little No, early? I think that's just even like Even Melvin Gordon going to save you. Even Melvin Gordon can't save you, Pete. What are you going to do? <laughs> um But yes, uh, I do think that was like a smart spot where, you know, I I feel like I had a measured take heading into the week that I thought it would be uh, still close to a split backfield, but I thought Javante would be more in the 60-40. And we did come back and see it right there back at the 50-50. So um, whatever kind of wishes we had for, you know, Javante getting a little more work didn't pan out. That said, this was such an easy spot for them too. and we do see them a little bit more willing to use Javante in the passing game and Melvin Gordon is kind of the, the bruiser. So I, I do wonder how that shakes out um, in a game that's a little more competitive. And we're going to get that this week against the Bengals. I'm pretty excited for Denver Bengals. I think that could be fun. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited to, to see how that plays out. But yeah, right now we are just immediately back to a full-on 50-50. 
Would you agree with me, though, that like if you saw like I'll say even we'll do the inverse, like if Melvin Gordon against the Bengals were 25 percent owned and Javante were 12 and a half, like I would meet in the middle for both ownership projections. I just think that's been the move all year long. Not that you can always force it that way because of the way the projections work. But I just think that's the thing to me is like these guys are fundamentally the same play with how they're used, especially when it comes down to the touchdown equity that we've talked about. Um, so that I mean, are you at least agreeing with me there that like probably go 15 percent each way instead of 30 percent one zero of the other? Yeah. And I mean, we see this play out like another good example, I think for a lot of this season has been like the Mike Evans, Chris Godwin ownership where Godwin projects slightly better because he projects for a little bit more volume. And so then he's like 35% owned and Mike Evans is 10%. And it's like, you know, when you actually kind of look at their ceiling cases, that's probably should be about a 50, 50 kind of exposure split, but whether through projections or because, uh, we are all youth chasers that like these young rookies, uh, the ownership gets skewed and he was coming off that massive game. I do think it was fine to extrapolate his role growing a little bit. Melvin Gordon coming back from injury. I, I don't necessarily think that was bad process. I mean, I, yeah, I think that's I think that's fair. I think it's a reasonable assumption. I just think to me that um, you're always kind of weighing yourself against the casual players out there, just putting in a handful of lineups every week. And I know for them, they're going to think like, yeah, Javante Williams had this great game. Melvin Gordon was out. He's been Wally Pipped. And when they all, the casual players love referencing Wally Pipped. That's the main thing you need to remember. But secondarily, it's also just that like, that's the way that they think. So to me, it's like, you just go with the other guy and hope that maybe ends up working out in your way. Obviously, it won't always be this clean of an example, uh, but that is to me just the way that I would like to play DFS generally so if you could do that and pete i don't know if you saw us we've been getting more screenshots people winning and giving us credit and i don't want to like you know i don't want to put the pressure on us because we just like doing silly bits that have no real relevance to real life coming from a place of, of real data and research and all that but i don't want to be like a tout site pete and i feel like we're helping people win too much now yeah you're right um we should probably get back to welcome the family and nana pete talking about players asses <laughs> that's that's actually the information that they were winning off of it's like <laughs> wow you guys, we welcome these guys to the family i had 50 percent of them and now they're just they're crushing and that's that's the tough part our victims of our own success and just just the sheer knowledge we bring to every segment yeah um i'm trying to think of the players that uh, nana pete has touted i know she was big on michael Jamar chase Jamar Chase, oh, you're right. They did go to grade school those, together. Those supple yeah. butt cheeks that she was not big on Joe Mixon this week. She was tired of his butt cheeks. Yeah, so uh, maybe she is the ultimate oracle, and now we're back around to her being a, a gypsy, uh, you know, crystal ball artist. Well, guys, hit the like button if you can. We appreciate it a bunch. It helps us get seen by more people. Helps Pete get crusher, get closer to crushing that 10,000 subscriber threshold that I just desperately wanted to see uh, as soon as possible. And Or maybe it's just a bit, Pete, that you just get stuck on 9.99 and don't cross it by the end of the football season. It would be a great bit. Uh, it would be a great <laughs> bit. I do appreciate all your guys' uh, support. I think we will get there uh, within the next week. Paul saying, get me a Nana Pete hoodie. Maybe that's the, the one thing you're missing here. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Maybe maybe I should have my uh, my designer whip something up a little. Just, uh, just steal the clip art that we had on the other thumbnail. Nobody's gonna know. <laughs> That's that would now that would be a good content story. How I got sued for my nana. <laughs> how I lost yeah. my my bur burgeoning empire by using <laughs> clip art of a grandma because of a stupid bit we did on Splash Play. <laughs> Get some clicks on that YouTube video though. But it's time, Pete. I guess. Well, is it time? Is it time to welcome people to the family, or do we want to do the waiver wire? Because you need to get you know where you need to get emotionally. Um, I always feel like we kind of uh, undercut. I guess we undercut them going in each direction because we're often welcoming someone uh, to the family that's also in the waiver wire. I don't care. You pick the order. Um, okay, let's do welcome to the family. And uh, speaking of Tony in the chat saying there's some DFS community rumbling about collusion and cheating on DraftKings involving some players that we won't name here. And Pete, you're you're a reporter basically in the space thanks to your work on Lulz with Brick uh, with Brick seventy five that we talked about earlier in the show. So have you heard about any any collusion stories? I feel like there's always been these rumors out there and people using them to justify their their various losings. Yeah, I think this got. Uh, kicked up again because Empire Maker and Wiggins were talking about it. But yeah, there's a couple players, McLovin and others who have been sitting in three mans and basically colluding uh, two of them Ooh. to um, basically one of them, I believe, tries to dupe the other person and then it just greatly incre increases their EV there. So lots of suggestions being thrown around as far as, you know, banning them, trying to uh, randomize, you know, three-man pairings to to avoid this kind of stuff. But I know most of the sharp players, I know Brick, these guys, they don't they don't play those three-mans anymore because it's uh, it's ripe for collusion. 
Interesting. Well, I mean, something to keep in mind out there. I, I wouldn't be playing those three men anyway if it were me. Uh, if I would choose a better content selection can be a key part of what they're doing. But, Pete, I don't know if you saw the article from last week. Uh, DraftKings is an entertainment company. They're not a gambling company. So, I mean, you know, hopefully you're getting entertainment from playing alongside those guys. Yes. Uh, you know, it, it's all about the friends we make along the way. <laughs> Sorry, Pete. Let's hit the welcome to the family intro. Welcome to the family, CD. Chipale, what balls on this guy, Amaro? Shit, he's gonna take an eternal dirt nap any one of these days. Get out of here with this shit. Lauren, the Ferrari, back in my garage. Welcome to the family. Gonna welcome you to the family. Get in here, get in here. I always got to do the wave here when we do and welcome to the family because I just want to be a part of the family with the two toads and Mario and Princess Peach. Didn't they adopted those two toads or are they like indentured servant types? Hey, hey, I don't know. I'm not a fucking Mario historian over here, okay? You know, truthfully, I'm sick of these painful stereotypes about my culture and about my people. We have a rich, rich history that goes beyond Mario, okay? That's true. It is more than Mario here, which is why every week we have this celebration of Italian culture. I forgot to do my bit where I changed the lights around just... Oh, there we go. Red, white, and green. Oh, look, oh, it's Italiano in this room, Peter, because it's time to do Welcome to the Family, where we're going to celebrate Italian culture, welcome some guys into the group, to this thing of ours that we do here on Splash Play. And I'll let you go first if you want, Petey Overs, because I do know you have uh, some people you always want to welcome in week after week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And look, like, this dude I'm about to welcome to the family, he's, um... He's not my type, okay? Let's just say that, all right? I like, when I'm looking at my wide receivers, I like a 6'3", 220, runs a 4'3 speed, preferably not balding. But this dude, Hunter Renfros, I want you to come into my home. I want you to sit down. I'm going to get you a nice plate of spaghetti, okay? And I'm going to give you a, I want you to put one of the noodles in your mouth, and I'm going to put a noodle in my mouth and Lady in the Tramp style, we're going to suck down that noodle until our lips come to the middle. And I'm going to give you the nicest little kiss, Hunter Renfro. Welcome to the family. Uh, Peter, have you seen the tweet from our pal Josh Norris? I think it could be worth pulling up of AJ Brown, DK Metcalf, Hunter Renfro. Three guys all in the same 2019 draft class. And if you search those three names together with photo, you should see it come up. Okay, wow. I guess this I could is... link it to you on a on a text, but I didn't know if you have your messaging apps open. Here's, here's the tweet as well for you, because I think it's a worthwhile one to bring to No, 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 I found it. I found it, though. Okay. Thank you for that pro search tip. Here we go. Here we go for the lulls. There we go. You see, you got your A.J. Brownie, D.K. Metcalf looking like a bunch of sausages tied together there with all those sinewy abs. And then you got Hunter Renfro, who I'll say it looks like Osimo. He does look like Osimos, and uh, this is a painful, uh, painful photo for me to look at because I was doing uh, a Q and A, a fantasy life Q and A on uh, Sunday morning, and someone asked me DK Metcalf or Hunter Renfro. I said DK Metcalf, and now this dude is at my door trying to welcome me into his family. If you know what I mean. I don't know. I don't follow what you mean there. What is? Is he hitting on you? Is he trying to adopt? No, you? he's trying to fucking kill me. Oh, okay. He's trying to what? Ah, I see. So we're going with the the dated stereotype of murder with Italian culture. That's oh, please different. don't talk to me about stereotypes, Mister Luigi. <laughs> Speaking of Pete, I'm also surprised that a red foe was qualifying for you because I thought about him too, but I was like, ah, he's probably Pete will go like he's been welcomed long ago, and then he would shit on me. So I think it's just funny how these things come full circle here. We welcome people to family. No, 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 no. We have never. I've never. Out of my goddamn lips. Welcome the boy that looks like Hunter Renfro's into my family. Okay. This is a first for me, and I need you to recognize it as an abnormal occurrence. There's at least a 50% chance that my upcoming son will look something like Hunter Renfro, depending on how the <laughs> hairline split goes. Hopefully, he gets more. My hairline maybe gets some others. I don't know. But, Pete, I'm going to welcome a guy of the family that this might seem counterintuitive, but I think it's an important lesson about just how the family works. I'm going to welcome in this week one. Javante Williams, a man people are touting. And you know what? He looked great this week, Pete, just like he did last what? week. What? <laughs> what? Oh, we're shocked here. The head did the hackle fly it off your head and steam Ugh. comes out. <laughs> I feel like I'm a uh, Bugs Bunny in a cartoon. My eyes go, <laughs> 
<laughs> like a sexy lady's walking by a cartoon wolf. They can't help, but their eyes start busting out, springing all over the place. That's correct, dude. What is wrong with you, dude? Are you okay? Can I check your temperature? Can I check your temperature? I don't know how to put my forehead over there, Pete, but it's my temperature's feeling kind of clammy, I suppose. I did work out before the show. I got the pump personal gym right outside the studio. Oh, dude, I've been seeing it on the Instagrams. I've been seeing this. I was like, holy cow, how many rooms does Spags have in his new base? Oh, yeah, you see see these guns right here. (laughs) No spaghetti noodles over here, but Javante Williams, here's what I like about Javante. Sometimes in the crew, you got a capo and it's his time in the sunlight that's melvin gordon he's a capo he's a top earner he's a guy you can't knock aside right now perhaps in the offseason when there are budget cuts and the broncos need to save a little money they go hey let's get javante in now but for right now this is melvin gordon's team and javante knows where he falls in that pecking order he's a like a little Christie on the sopranos he's the guy who's holding the bag for the guy and that's what javante williams role is right now next year he probably will be a number one overall pick this year pete just the guy who's the bag boy for the king, Melvin Gordon. All right, dude. All right. I'm 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 proud of you, dude. It takes growth. It takes growth to welcome the more talented, the sexier, you know, part of the backfield. I know how you like them old. I know how you like these MILFs in the backfield. But I'm telling you, I think you made a good decision welcoming this boy to the family. MILFs more like GILFs. Grandmas I like to feed fettuccine to is what GILF stands for. Dude, have you seen Have you seen this GILF Nana Pete, dude? Well, I would like the dude to tap that ass, dude. Oh, she <laughs> likes them just like you, fresh and with butt cheeks that could crack a walnut, Pete. So tell us who else you want to welcome to the family this week besides your other characters, I suppose. Yeah, dude, I got to talk about this little pipsqueak on Sunday Night Footballs. You see this Jakeem Grant, dude? He's scoring tutties, returning punts, scoring touchdowns. I mean, this guy's lightning quick. He's like he's like the size of a cannoli, and yet he's always in the end zone, okay? I want to take this guy to the north end. I want to get a table for two in the back, a little candlelit dinner, and say, Jakeem, welcome to the family. I always like our different parts of the country, and it's true of my my current inhabitation here in Philadelphia. It was true in New York. They all have their own version of Little Italy, their own version of Chinatown, and they all have different fun names where it's like, oh, over here, it's Thai Town. I guess that's a different ethnicity, but you get what I'm going for here. Everywhere's got their own part. They say it like it's the only one that exists out there, this north end of yours, so to speak. That's right. Don't you? You got the you got the fish town now in uh, Pennsylvania's. D. Lee, don't give us any ideas because we're sick enough to fucking charge you for this. This show, this segment's going behind the paywall. Put it behind the paywall and have nobody watch it. (laughs) It tends to be the premium content strategy from what I know, but uh, glad to hear it out there. And and Pete, I'm going to give you one more guy too because you were so generous for what you were doing. And I'm going to welcome this guy in because I think he's really coming through in adverse situations after a tough Monday Night Football. We talked about him earlier. He's been in the family, but I'm going to welcome him one more time. Joshy Numbers, Josh Allen, doing a little bit of everything, looking like old Josh Allen. And I think, Pete, on some level, we can all relate to a guy who is maybe phoning it in throughout portions of the year, not running as hard, trying to protect himself, trying to play it safe. The Bills don't get that luxury no more, Pete. They certainly got to be out there hustling on the corners, bringing pasta fazool to everybody out there week in, week out, the Bills Mafia. And they got to try now. And it seems like Josh Allen, much like we can all relate to, he's finally tried. And that's why I want to see. And I'm going to welcome him into the family, give him support down this home stretch. I can I can get behind that. We can welcome Josh Allen. You know, is there, do you want to welcome Michael Jordan to the family while you're at it? Maybe Tom Brady, any other inspired picks? <laughs> Josh Allen, it's such great company now. He's part of the family. <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll tell you how to welcome a Buffalo Bills to the family, okay? You do it like this. Gabe the Babe Davis, eight targets. I mean, this guy, Emmanuel Sanders. Talk about a gilf, dude, a grandma. I'd like to kick to the curb. It's time for Gabe the Babe. This guy's got a beautiful, beautiful face, a nice chin strap beard, really nice hair. Love to sit down at the table with him and pass the prosciutto around. You know what I'm saying? The- my 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 friend over at the athletic, uh, just, I won't name names. We don't name names here in this segment. But I would say was talking about it. There were some really sharp takes on the show he was doing about some guy saying Gabriel Davis is trash and deserves to be uh, shunted to the side, Pete. But I do have to agree with you. It seems like he took those bulletin board material opportunities and really rose to the occasion. And that's what we want to see in the crew. You know, no one is your time to step up. Gabriel Davis stepping up, and I think this analyst who once spoke so ill of him probably very proud on some level. 
It's true. It's true. I mean, it's uh, a lot of these players, dude, they watch these shows, dude, for for motivation. And it's kind of another reason we're thinking about taking it behind the paywall, because if we got if we got Gabe Davis watching the show for bulletin board material, we need a cut. Dude, daddy's got to get paid. We need that cheddar. That's like when you get meetings and then somebody in senior management says, hey, how do we get into NFTs? That's sort of what that goes like. And just a generic company, obviously, talking about that. Everybody's got to wet their beak, Peter. This is actually a good point, and this guy was actually on my list before I got distracted. I do need to welcome one Mr. Rashad Pennies. A penny for my thoughts. I would have paid a penny to have you on my lineup yesterday, Rashad. Okay, you look good. You're a former first-round pick. I know you get hurt every other play. That's okay. You made it through one game against the Texans. I look forward to you leaving the game early against the Rams next week. But for now, come on in. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to whip you up a, a, a nice nice little lemonade <laughs> you don't <laughs> lemonade because it's the cost of a couple pennies and i'd say if you didn't play rashad penny yesterday seems like you're probably not two pence the richer huh oh that's a good one spags you want to keep going here okay or do you got any more dime store jokes uh, josh marino in the chat saying josh gordon got his touchdown that was pretty dope i agree if anybody knows about dope it's josh gordon uh please we don't talk about drugs on this show okay. we, let's save that when we go behind the paywall that's right. <laughs> behind the fan. Okay. And beat hit the outro because welcome to the family CD. Jebali, what balls on this guy? I'm Shit, he's going to take an eternal dirt nap any one of these days. Get out of here with this shit. Lauren the Ferrari back in my garage. Welcome to family. We're going to welcome you to the family. Get in here. Get in here. Goodbye, Peach. Goodbye, Mario. <laughs> Do you ever notice me struggling to get out of the costume in between the intros? <laughs> I didn't. I should. Do I need to now start I like watching you, that? I usually fuck up the process where like I start to take the tie off first. Like, no, hat first, then tie. Otherwise, I can't get it all off quickly. And then it ends up being, ends up being a real struggle here that I'm glad is not captured on video. Uh, I need to start setting up a separate screen recording for the little <laughs> video boxes below the feed here. But you know what, guys? We did it. We had welcomed some people to the family, and now we're going to welcome some people to our teams. And, and Pete, I'm going to ask you the question: How long do we ride out the waiver wires here? Like, how are we at the point of this being the last useful one? I mean, I would have liked to have ended it about eight weeks ago. Um, <laughs> we got to find I, a new segment then. That's I, the tough part. Um, yes, uh, I will say, just glancing over this week is actually a decent week for the waiver wire. I mean, I, I, there are a few guys that are interesting out there, I suppose. So we'll, we'll do it. We'll do the waiver wire must ads for week 15 here. Um, hopefully you know what, what, what we could start, what, if we do want to replace this, we could start drafting, um, under a uh, quick underdog, uh, playoff best ball team during this block. Okay. I think that sounds interesting. So let's, let, we could, let's do that starting next week then. Yeah. Okay, so this will be the last waiver wire snake draft of the year because uh, if you are hearing this right now, hopefully you are still live in your playoffs, but a lot of you probably aren't, and that's perfectly fine. So good job by you trying is what I will say. But Pete, we got one more waiver wire snake draft, and of course we are going to be aided here by Rotoviz's article in which the great Sam Wallace every week is compiling the players that are less round out there for you guys. Our threshold, 80% or more availability on ESPN is going to be the one. And Pete, I'll let you go first because you found this week to be so fertile. Uh, yeah, I will take Rashad Penny. Uh, he's available in 94.3% of leagues. Uh, he had 16 carries, 137 yards, two touchdowns, like talent and, you know, physical profile have never been the question for Rashad Penny. They used a first round pick on him for a reason, uh, still shouldn't have been drafted in the first round, regardless of how good he is, but that's a, you know, a debate for the off season. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited about Rashad Penny as long as he's healthy. Uh, I think the team uh, definitely wants to move on from Alex Collins. They basically tried all this stuff where, you know, they bring in Adrian Peterson. They've given us lots of hints that they aren't that excited about Alex Collins and they keep giving Rashad Penny chances. And he looked really explosive. Again, it's similar to the Jets situation where it's like, all right, the Texans can make a lot of backfields look good and they're going to have a much harder go of it on the road against the Rams this week. But if he does, you know, become the 70%, 80% guy leading that backfield, I mean, he's going to be very valuable. 
No, I think it's a reasonable take too. And I, we talked about this before, but the draft capital thing where you do invest that first round pick in Rashad Penny. And if the regime still stays there, they kind of have to prove that that was actually a pick that had some value. In it. And that's where the Seahawks are in their, in their year, as well as their trajectory, where it seems like Pete Carroll's job is hanging on by a thread. So I think it's a sound pick and everything I would look for. And, and I would agree like Alex Collins to me, like that's a guy they got literally off the trash heap. There's no attachment there. So if Penny looks like he looks yesterday, he could continue to get a big workload down the stretch and maybe the Seahawks would be good enough to pay it off. Um, yeah, I, go ahead. No, 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 go. Um, I will take then. All right. So here's a guy. And I think this one is really speculative, but we've talked a lot about Zeke being washed up yesterday with no Tony Pollard ends up not still having a good day. I think if the runway was there for him to have the day he needed, Corey Clement gets 13 rushes in that spot. Seems to get a meaningful workload overall and Pollard, a foot issue. I feel like for a guy like Pollard who relies so much on explosiveness, we've talked on this show and talked to the ship giving show as well about how Tony Pollard looks like a guy shot out of a cannon compared to Zeke. That just looks like sludge leaking out, <laughs> leaking out of a sewage tank. And I think that's sort of where we are, where Corey Clement could actually come in, provide a spark, and seize maybe 40 to 50% of that share week to week and maybe have those outlier games. So I'd be willing to take that stab now, Pete. I don't know if you feel the same. Yeah, no, I he was going to be on my list as well. Uh, it, and also just in general, uh, I know some leagues, like the FFPC leagues, the, the – um, the waivers will lock for weeks 15 through 17. So this is kind of your last chance to stockpile your bench with some stuff. Um, and I do lean toward, you know, these running backs in these situations. And I do think this is the time. Um, if you've made it this far, you're, you probably have a pretty good starting lineup. And now you're just trying to make sure you have enough upside in there if things break right. And I do think Corey Clement uh, is a guy where it would take one injury and, and things could potentially break right. Uh, do you have one more pick here? I do have turn? one more guy that I will offer up to the to the tribal board here. And I will say, I would like to take Braxton Berrios here. And I know it's not a sexy one either, but the snaps were there for him. The Jets are going to be hapless down the stretch. I do worry that you're going to see more games like the 30-9 to nine score where they just don't get anything going. But no Corey Davis, no Elijah Moore. I think just taking a shot that the workload can go somewhere is a move that I don't mind making. And really, what's the reason to keep pushing Jamison Crowder besides him maybe auditioning for other teams this offseason? Braxton Berrios is somebody that they could keep as a cheap player who does what Jameson Crowder does. And he can also run outside a little bit more. So I don't think it's a sexy one by any stretch, Pete, but I do think Barrios could be one of those guys, just positive game scripts as well as just having nobody left in the Jets, uh, the Jets wide receiver core. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm skeptical. Uh, I think if Elijah Moore, when he comes back, do we have a slate? He's, he's out for at least three weeks. He's right? on IR. Yeah. So he's out at least three. Yeah. Weeks. Yeah, I guess this offense is just so broken uh, right now. Uh, I don't hate it as like a pure PPR play. I mean, I do hate it, but I feel like saying things like I don't hate it is something that I should say. Uh <laughs> the poor man's Hunter Renfro is what they're calling Braxton Berrios. The, the homeless man's Hunter Renfro. <laughs> oh my God. Um, I'll, on going back to my uh, handcuff running back stash stuff, um, I'll, I'll go at the turn here with two more. Uh, one is Samaj P. Ryan. Um, Joe Mixon now is coming off a, a pretty rough stretch. He had like three straight weeks over 27 points. And now he's had two weeks under, I believe it was 11 points. And he does really get game scripted out. Um, and they're using P Ryan, uh, in the passing game, a decent bit. And P Ryan looks like fairly explosive. So P Ryan is that perfect kind of handcuff that you're looking for in that he's getting a little bit of work now. And if Mixon went down, as we saw last year, I believe it was week six, 17, 16 or 17 last year where P Ryan had that massive game filling in for Joe Mixon. So he's the exact kind of guy I want to stash. Um, I will do, um, I'll do a quarterback here and I will do the speculative ad of Tyler Huntley. I know that the Ravens are saying that, uh, Lamar should be fine, but I think early on in the week, there's not much opportunity cost. And in the same way, we've been taking stabs on Justin Fields, Trey Lance, Taysom Hill, trying to, you know, unlock some of this rushing upside. I was pretty impressed with Huntley. He had that highlight move where he made multiple guys miss, but then he was able to get the ball to Andrews and Bateman and he looked pretty good to me. So yeah, if I was, uh, you know, hard pressed for a quarterback, Huntley would be a guy I would definitely be interested in, in taking a stab on. I've I feel like the Ravens backups the last year's like McSorley wasn't that bad either. And like, I was kind of surprised they went Huntley's way, but you could see when he's out there, you know, he looks a lot like though. He looks like Tyrod Taylor from like five years ago, just like a guy who's like pretty good and maybe would be good. And then somebody else will pay him and then he won't be good. But I, I agree with you. Like I like Huntley and he can run and he's passing and seems to pass more than Lamar does. 
Yeah. Yeah. He, I mean, he would, he was dealing yesterday. Uh, he had a good connection with Bateman. If we're going to not have practice, and then I think too that you could be right too about Bateman kind of rising with the tide there. I feel like the the QB who is the backup getting a little more run with the rookie who wasn't running with the first team enough is always a connection that uh, can pay off. Not always, but you know can pay off enough times to feel like always. I think that could be something that the the Huntley Bateman sacks could be appealing. Um, I will take a guy that I do like the Browns' schedule heading down the stretch. I do think there could be a shot here for him to score some more points. But Donovan Peoples Jones available in ninety one percent of leagues. There's nobody else there. Obviously, we will get. David Njoku back at some point off the COVID list. You'll get Harrison Bryant back. I mean, Austin Hooper had a solid day at tight end there. It was actually one of a few highlights of my week along with Hunter Renfro. But I do think Donovan Peoples-Jones, the big play abilities there, and the Browns schedule down the home stretch of the year. Raiders, Packers, Steelers, Bengals, all games that are kind of winnable. The Browns still in the playoff hunt, still a team that people think might win the Super Bowl based on the odds, which is kind of crazy to me. But I do think that has to come with Peoples-Jones being confident. So he just shouldn't be 91% available. That's like a huge number. Yeah, he uh he looked solid yesterday. Um yeah, I think he's he's the kind of guy if you're you're desperate where I would rather take the upside swing on a DPJ than I would uh Barrios, just knowing DPJ can get loose for a 70-yard touchdown. And speaking of upside, a guy who has proven that in the Jaguars' investment in a youth movement that he can pay off as a wide receiver, Laquan Treadwell, available in 99% of leagues. He's not, actually, I think he was the one that tripped over LaVisca Chenault on that one botched route, but the Jaguars are playing for something here. Like Urban Meyer is holding this team together by a thread. There's reports of him uh, calling all his coaching staff losers, which you know, Pete and I do to each other as friends. That's totally fine, but I do think when you're doing it to your coaching staff and questioning their resume, not the best look. Laquan Treadwell running the most snaps week after week at wide receiver. Marvin Jones feels like a guy that could get shut down. Also was in the negative ire of Urban Myers, according to some reports. And uh, we've seen that nobody else, Pete, wants to step up in the Jaguars receiving core. So why not go Laquan Treadwell's way? Apparently four receptions at 50 receiving yards in his last three games. Yeah, he's been their, yeah, I would say their the wide most receiver consistent one. wide receiver. Yeah, which is just... <laughs> It's so sad. I saw people winning a couple of GPPs with Treadwell mm -hmm. as their pump play wide receiver. Uh, I ended up using Keelan Cole as my pump play in one lineup, which uh, apparently a very bad idea. Um, all right. What, how many more do I have? You just get one more. One more. Okay. I'm going to do a fun one because Ivan brings this up. Uh, no, where, where did he do it? Uh, Steven brought this up. Guessing who is the RB1 in Miami is something to watch. So, Basically, they have a really crazy situation right now where Philip Lindsay tested positive for COVID, and now all three of their backs, uh, Lindsay, Miles Gaskin, and Ahmed, uh, are in doubt for this week. My guy, Patrick Laird, is on the IR. God, <laughs> it bumps me out because Laird would have been set up for like a bell cow game here. Um, but they did work out Lamar Miller uh, earlier today. I just saw that tweet. So I'm going with Lamar Miller as my uh, my last pick. What I mean, like the logic is so sad. That's just so outrageous. Like all of it's Lamar has been up for like five jobs here. He's like an actor that just keeps missing out on parts. Yeah. I mean, but I mean, think about Adrian Peterson. Adrian Peterson's on his like ninth team this year. So why not Lamar Miller? Why wouldn't you take, I mean, I, I get Duke Johnson is signed somewhere now, but like, why wouldn't you take a flyer on like one of those guys is a little bit younger and like has the upside and maybe there's something left in there. Like, I, I don't get, I, I do think it's funny though. Like Laird probably would have gotten like 20 touches and had like a, just had a monster game by sheer inertia. And that's, that is funny that he won't, he won't, I'm sorry. It's not funny. It's no. Sad. I mean, Justin mentions uh, Malcolm Brown. There are, he might come off IR. Duke Johnson is also, I believe, um, on the practice squad right now. Uh, so there, there's some guys there, but uh, we're now getting a, a Jared Dokes take. So I don't know. The moral of the story is uh, if you're in desperate need of a running back, do you know who we didn't mention? Hmm. Um, and it was, this was so weird. This guy came out of nowhere and Schefter tweeted that he was starting Craig Reynolds yesterday. I, in the yes, Alliance. yes, that was fucking weird. <laughs> I should, we should have welcomed him to the family. Um, that was so weird. And you know, Swift should be back and it'll probably be re re rendered mute. But like, I thought they liked Godwin, Ibuki and, uh, and Jamar Jefferson. And mm -hmm. it's just like, no, Craig Reynolds, he's going to lead yeah. the backfield. Like so bizarre.
Yeah, they also had Jason Cabinda in the mix, who's like somebody that I, they've, I've heard the name reference. It was like, maybe he's going to get snaps. But no, Craig Reynolds ends up getting a lion's share there. And uh, Pete, I had some Godwin Iguabuque, and uh, I also thought he would outscore the other running back. So that was one of my ride or die picks, by the way. I went over this week in our ride or die picks, so we don't even need to talk about that. Besides that, you're going to cruise to the victory of the season. But uh, I thought Iguabuque, like, oh, cool, Jamal Williams is out. He's easily going to outscore the other running backs. And he still is in the top trait running back. This guy who literally was never mentioned all year long ends up being the top running back. I'll show you something funny here. This is uh, one of my fantasy matchups, and this is a pure zero RB team I had. And I was forced to start. I was like, I'll just start both Lions running backs this week, figuring I'll get like 10 points from them combined. 0.5 combined. I got cucked by Craig Reynolds. Jamar Jefferson's been good on a per touch basis either. Like, I don't get what happened there. I, I have no idea either. I, I kind of want, like, I need, like, uh, I know it's a, a, a hack thing to say, but I do, I would watch a 30 for 30 about how Craig Reynolds came to lead the backfield for the, for the Lions in week uh, 14. Something with incriminating photos of Dan Campbell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> be the thing. And Justin in the chat saying, Duke and Doke sounds like a hell of a Hall and Oates tribute, man. I, I agree. That's, that's really, did you know, Pete, uh, do you remember the keyboard cat song? Yeah. I, I remember it vividly and I like mentioned to my girlfriend, like, oh, the keyboard cat song. She's like, what? And I was like, I don't, I don't know if it's an age thing because she is like a little bit younger than us, but not not young enough where like that that song will forever be in my head because a keyboard cat doing his little. That that was like one of the original like memes. I mean, yeah, that was, was like YouTube blowing up was keyboard yeah. cat. Yeah. yeah, it was like keyboard cat and Charlie bit my finger. Like those were <laughs> those were the ones. I wonder how Charlie's doing these days. <laughs> I have, did they say I think they ended up selling that video as an NFT or maybe I'm mixing it up with another uh, viral video that oh and uh, Mookie saying in the chat Dan Campbell said Jamar missed practice earlier in the week so yeah of course that means why would you put Jamar out there then after he's looked good and been a guy that they've invested some capital in and some time in yeah <laughs> I have no idea football's so dumb sometimes all right Pete let's do Monday night football we do have a Rams Cardinals game today our uh, let me pull up the matchup so I can get to the implied total and we can burn through this real fast uh, we got a 24.3 point implied total for the Rams, 26.8 for the Cardinals. So maybe a surprising two and a half point favorite. Books have the line as 51. EdgeSports.com has it as 47 with their 100,000 simulations. So maybe a little bit of value on the under, Pete. But any thoughts on the game? And if you want to give your ride or die pick as well for it, uh, you're crushing it more than I am. We have to point out too, Nick hit two 10 pointers. So Nick came in, put his dick right on my shoulder, and I just had to go and pet it and give it a little. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> What was that last part? Uh, this is this is that a Pete talking. <laughs> I had to, he put his jibbler on my shoulders, and I had to give it a little kiss. Um, uh, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna let that go. Uh, I I don't I it, it you did realize the smart thing, which is you can say those things, but you have to be in character. Yeah, you can't no, you say can't, that. You can't say that as Chris Maggs. I can't be talking about Nick's dick on my shoulder and how. I had to hey, go. Give me. I do want the quick recap. Give it. Give me the the ten pointers that hit. Okay, well, let me pull it up here because I closed it in great shame seeing I, I like, again, I feel like these ride or die picks this year, it's easy to run bad on these, obviously, because we're making really outlandish picks. But I feel like a lot of my like, oh, this like play has like a good portion to it, but I go for the fucking 10 pointer and it ends up not right is how it's going. Uh, the ones, the 10 pointers that were hit, you hit one 10 pointer, one three pointer. Your 10-pointer was Taysom Hill outscoring Dak, Lamar, Russell Wilson, and Justin Herbert. Um, so that he would have outscored Patrick Mahomes too. So I, I don't feel bad about that one. Um, and then you also had Dawson Knox outscoring Rob Ronkowski. That was your three-pointer. So turnkey three-pointer. You did lose to Nick on the week because Nick hit two 10-pointers, which included Joe Mixon under 12 points. And then he also had Devontae Adams being the showdown captain, which was the case. Yeah. Uh nice, nice showing by Nick in his big penis draped over your shoulder <laughs> and my my zeros the zeros that hurt me the most were josh jacobs and hunter renfro outscoring all casey skill position guys oh. hunter renfro did josh jacobs did not because he got completely game scripted out um Godunigua Buke outscoring all their lions running backs that could have been a 10 pointer did not in fact pay off um Devin Singletary was dog shit. Aaron Rodgers should have been a showdown winning captain too. Four touchdowns, but no, fucking Devontae Adams is just better. I feel like I should have caught up with you 10 times over this season, Pete, and I just cannot get there. It's all right. I want to see if you tighten up, maybe try to, you know, get some more one and three pointers, or if you just keep yelling it from half court. No, that's, I will continue yellowing it from half court in hopes that that's what catches me up as a 10 and 0 week of all 10 pointers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but let's do our ride or die picks for this one. Of course, a showdown winning captain is going to be the, easy, the easiest move. Are we? Do we have any gentlemen's agreements on this one, Pete? Um, 
I will say this. Cooper Cup is priced up high enough that he's not a runaway captain slam dunk. Then I will take showdown winning captain Cooper Cup. <laughs> All right. I will uh I will take Kyler Murray then. Yeah, I think that's a reasonable one. I feel like Michelle also right in the mix, Stafford right in the mix. To me, like those four, I mean, it's it's showdowns. So you can always make the case for like an Odell or one of these other Van Jefferson, even, but like those guys projection wise are so far ahead of everybody else. Yeah. They are. Uh, it's actually interesting in the Sims when I run the custom lineups and I'll do a showdown cram tonight and update it after inactives and all that. Uh, a lot of the top lineups have Rondell Moore uh, as the captain. And I assume the thesis being, you know, it allows you to fit in all the other studs. You can get in Kyler, Stafford, Michelle, Cooper Cup, you know, et cetera, when you run a Rondell Moore captain. Yeah, I I mean, look, I still wouldn't mind playing Odell at captain at 6,200, though. His snap count is not really taking the jump up. He's still running so much less than Cup and, and Jefferson, so keep that in mind if you're planning on going heavy Odell for some reason. Uh, but it should be an interesting game. Like, I feel like Monday Night Football games lately have been so shitty that this one should be like a breath of fresh air. Yeah, I'm hoping. Uh, I'm hoping it'll be, uh, it'll be a good one. Well, it's asking no Hopkins love. I have not had Hopkins love all year long, but he is the top projected receiver for me out of the Cardinals receivers. There's just too many of them that project pretty well. Like that's, yeah. Yeah. Hopkins has been, he's a tough sell right now. Um, very tough. Oh, I've been saying more is 2K on the slate. Is yeah, that he's oh 2K. Jesus, that is the showdown pricing has been strange all year. Like, I feel like they overcompensated for some things and then left like weird little loopholes like that one where like more hasn't been great lately, but he shouldn't be 2K. No, he shouldn't be. I mean, Tyler Higby's 5K and Rondell yeah. Moore's 2K. Yeah, you know, Benjamin is 2600. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Ben Noek is a 1000 flat if you want to get real weird. <laughs> yeah, well, we always want to get weird on showdown. We got to don't don't dupe me, bro. <laughs> All right, so make sure to go follow at Splash Play Pod. You'll find out whenever we have a show coming up, whenever we have uh, the Ride or Die picks out on Sunday mornings, anything else, some fun clips as well coming through that Margarita segment. If you didn't want to watch the whole show, that clip pretty much sold the, the idea pretty well for you. So go follow at Splash Play Pod. Make sure to follow at Peter Overzet, follow at Chris Spags, and of course, subscribe to Peach Channel and smash the like button here, whether you're watching on Peach Channel or the Splash Play Channel. And Pete, any final plugs for you? Of course, the showdown cram coming up in a few hours. People should always be hanging out with you and doing that yep that's it i'll uh, i'll be back around 7 40 tonight all right and i'll be back on this stream here thursday 2 30 eastern we'll be back doing that one and i'll have a fresh paint job here's the paint i don't painting is taking up a lot of noise in this house pete there's a lot of banging of things i don't know what's going on like what, why would you have to bang things when you're painting i don't know i mean i don't know what they're working maybe some, with uh maybe there's somebody putting the dick on the shoulder and then you <laughs> You did you just set yourself up for your own joke yeah. <laughs> on purpose i just kind of discovered it as we went yeah. as, as one does when a dick is on your shoulder that's right uh in the show <laughs> on that note we'll catch you guys later in the week enjoy and tune into peach showdown cram come up in a little bit bye <laughs>